Hello and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail and joining me today as always is... Brendan Norrison. Uh, Adam, good to be talking again. It's been quite some time. It feels as if we see us every time we do a new episode. But um, yeah, we're back again. And uh, we've got a real Time Extend deep cut to go into here. Uh, there's going to be a few home truths about this one. Um, there'll be people who don't even know what game this is, so hopefully we can put it in a way that people want to give it a go. But we are, of course, today going to be talking about Rally de Europe specifically. And of course, that is kind of inclusive of Rally de Africa, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. But this was a game I didn't even know existed until... Um, you told me about it, um, uh, basically referencing a certain uh, fact about the game and was basically saying it's worth playing. So this was like totally new for me, but like in terms of like your exposure to this game, I take it you found out about it quite a while before me. Not really, actually. Uh, it's kind of funny because there's this whole trove of like PlayStation era racing games that um, most of them being like Japanese uh like origin or like only coming out in Japan, uh, I wasn't aware of. I mean that that goes for like there there are some weird games like the option games and like the Advan Racing game like that's like I think uh, Japanese Grand Touring Car series inspired like stuff like that that's like more like Japanese motorsports or tuner culture that like we weren't quite ready to receive in the West. So like all of these games, I've just never touched and then rally day africa was the one that uh was actually like in the early days of the pandemic i i think that's only when i first became aware of this game i, I might have seen like the title before and i i think that for a while i confused it with like this dakar like rally dakar game that was on like the ps2 that i or i think it was um gtc africa that's what i'm thinking of um which is not, I mean, I don't even remember anything about that game. I played it when I was a little kid. But <laughs> I just, like, I, I thought I knew what it was, and it turns out that, that I didn't. So, um, yeah, discovering it, mostly thanks to our community in, like, 2020, um, people on Twitter and stuff, uh, that really that turned me on to a game, and I played it, and uh, I found out, oh, this is actually this is actually pretty great. It's a, it's a very cute little game, and... It was also a fun one to like stream at the time, I remember, because that was like the first time I ever streamed anything. And it was like I was discovering it in real time. And back <laughs> then we were all so like desperate, right, to like watch each other play video games and like get away from everything in the world. So it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was like kind of returning to my happy place in a way. No, absolutely. Uh, I think um, that for the pan during the pandemic, that was the case for a lot of people. Um, I I would love to see like the spikes in Twitch traffic, <laughs> just based on what you're saying, because that seemed to be like the de facto hobby everybody either took up was streaming more or watching more streams, that sort of thing. I had some uh, fun Gran Turismo streams myself uh, <laughs> during I the pandemic. Those. Those were with great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bottle of Jack. Gran Turismo 3, Friday night, it doesn't get much better. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think like it makes sense to discover a game like this during that scenario because it really does feel like one of those games that could have easily went right under the radar for me and I'd never approach it because you know yourself, when you're, when you're looking for like PlayStation 1 games to play like on the racing genre side of things, you, you have your kind of stalwarts, the ones that everybody has played, and you have the, the kind of cult classic ones as well, but like for me this one never registered as obviously not the most popular category, but not even in the, the niche one since I genuinely never heard of it. So um, yeah, it's interesting, so like it, it came through the community for you and it just goes to show that we are still very much learning as we go as well through other people's yeah. knowledge and experience. And uh, this, is, this is definitely an episode that when we came up with Time Extend, I would have never imagined making it because I didn't know the game existed. So it makes it a perfect candidate to talk about. Yeah, honestly, I mean, there's so many games like that. Like Racing Lagoon is another. And yep. it's funny because I feel like the world became aware of that game probably around the same time as this one. But like it was probably like just kind of a quiet, you know, secret among the people who knew. And then like all of a sudden I feel like 
I don't know, once like the retro revival sort of wave kind of hit like the PlayStation, the early 3D generation, then everybody's talking about like, oh, did you know like Square made a, a racing game and it's a JRPG and uh, you're, it's like, you know, kind of like a tuner environment and everything and it's really weird. Um, Rally Day Africa and Rally Day Europe are kind of the exact opposite of that, but they, they come from a similar period, definitely similar time frame, and um, in, in, in much the same way, they're really striking games. I feel like when people talk about like pixel art, like 3D pixel art, low poly pixel art, like I imagine the cars of Rally Day Africa and Rally Day Europe in my head. The, the look of these games, they're, they're very simple and they're a little cartoony, but but everything looks so good. It's like exactly how you remember every PlayStation game looking, and then you go back and play most of them, yeah. and you're like, oh, this looks like shit. But, but these games actually do hold up that end of the bargain. Yeah, I mean, just like stylistically, in terms of in-game play, I actually get, I don't know why particularly, but I get kind of Rage Racer-like vibes from the kind of, the, the kind of color palette that's going on for a lot of the tracks and the... Just the general kind of atmosphere of a lot of the tracks as well, in terms of like the the, the Greek ones and the kind of the, the mountainous type levels as well. Um, I kind of got those type of Rage Racer vibes, I think, from the color palette alone. But just to, to kind of comment on this game feeling like a PS One game in its entirety, like it really does. I, one one thing I really like from this generation when it came to racing games is the use of like chibi car models and stuff and menus and that sort of thing to show the cars off and. During like the the memory battle menus, for example, when your build will we'll get to the memory battle side of things. I don't want to give too much away before we get to that, but like when you see the um, when you see the kind of tiny chibified versions of the cars and those tiny little three D models and stuff, it's definitely something of of that generation that we we don't see as much of anymore in terms of that sort of type of design and. The game does have a, a good vibe to it, and the one thing that I really like about it is how simple everything is. Um, if I was to draw like a comparative to the way I think the games are structured, it's like um, the Sega Rally 2006 arcade mode is the one thing that I directly like kind of thought of during like the career mode and, and such in this game. And hmm. um, by that, I just mean basically you've got these blocks of races, you, you enter the championship and you do them, and it's just it's <clears throat> low barrier to entry. And then you get to go into the, the sometimes very difficult races as well. So overall, from a style perspective, this, that it does kind of really have those PlayStation 1 game vibes, but down to a T. Um, and yeah, so it, it, it definitely kind of ticked that box for me. Yeah, and so Rally Day Africa came out in 1998 and then was followed by Rally Day Europe in 2000. So you could say that like these games, we're obviously both huge Sega Rally fans, right? And these games pretty much like it's funny because by then like Gran Turismo was on the horizon or at that point in Japan I guess already would have been out these games would have seemed like kind of quaint in the direction that racing games were going um and Sega Rally you know first hit arcades and was 94 95 I guess right so they they were these like kind of scaled back little you know arcade racing titles uh and you could still get away with that but i thought it was interesting uh to find that these games released for kind of a discounted price in japan originally uh they both cost 1500 yen from what i found out which uh roughly i mean today translates to about 11 dollars so um imagine getting games like this for 11 dollars uh <laughs> i mean i would i would have paid you know probably three times that uh you know if if i was a person who was you know buying things at the time um because you also think that like you know sega rally hit the saturn i think a year before rally day africa did and that was a full price game and even had less content if you think about the fact that rally day africa has more cars it has five tracks and sega rally, sega rally only has four um, so they were clearly very inspired by like what Sega and Namco were doing on the arcade side, but they actually gave you a little bit more content than you would typically get. Yeah. So it was it was good value for money, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I think like it's something I kind of miss that acknowledgement of like budget titles in such an explicit mm. way because yeah. even if like the the most the, the ones I always tend to remember were like the. 
kind of PS2 era Midas games over here, who are typically the publisher, we've talked about that before, that handled a lot of like the, the Choro Q games and that sort of thing. Uh, Runabout as well was under that yeah. sort of kind of budget brand and it was just funny how they would just explicitly have like the artwork in like a tiny square on the front cover where it's just like blazoned in front of it budget series or yeah. or something like that so um it, it's interesting when these games kind of almost set the tone right away where it be through the price tag or that sort of branding it doesn't look i can't see anything that suggests that rally either of the rally day games were kind of structured that way in terms of the, the cover art or anything but Obviously, the cut price, I guess, gives that vibe off. But, yeah, what you're saying about the content side of things, I was really surprised by the amount of cars in this game and the car classes that are in the game because there's, like, some really cool inspired options in here, like key cars, uh, right up to, like, kind of actual modern rally machines. It's it's actually, well, modern at the time. It's quite a decent selection and there's quite a lot of unlockables as well, especially in Europe. Yeah, um... You get a good gamut of rally cars from across history, uh, the old stuff right until the moderns, and like there's even like a 911 in the first game. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, they all, you know, they're all unlicensed uh, car models, but they're very clearly real cars. And the liveries are even the same, but they'll replace a lot of the sponsors <laughs> with like funny names. I always think like yes. the the Subaru yeah. Impreza that says Tylor on it is really funny for whatever reason. <laughs> um, yeah. And all the car names are like just almost like Tokyo Extreme Racer. They're just like exactly uh, yeah. collections jumbles of like letters and numbers. Although like in Tokyo Extreme Racer, usually those have something to do with a car. Like they're like an engine code or something or a chassis code. And in this game, it's just like it's just nonsense. Um, but you, it's it's like from the menus to like the actual racing, it they feel like very polished experiences. And it's just clear that a lot of enthusiasm and love went into these games. Um, And that is something that uh, I remember I I called attention to like years ago. I tweeted like, isn't it weird how some racing games just had like Evangelion aesthetic? And this was one of them. (laughs) Like you're going, you're going through like the main menu, uh, especially in the second game. And every, the, the text is just really big and it's in your face and the colors are crazy. And, um, yeah, it's uh, stylistically, it's kind of a mess, but also really good. Um, and Rally Day Africa too, like being, it's interesting how with the first game, it's very much like it's set on one continent. Um, it, the Africa thing kind of informs every aspect of the game, from the tracks uh, to the music to uh, the the unfortunate announcer who has not aged very well. The the <laughs> no, voice of this no. announcer is not something that um, you would ever hear today for good reason. Uh, and what's weird is that they left him in Rally Day Europe too, which makes no sense. I, I guess they just had the files, so they're like, well, we can't we can't record anyone else, so let's just reuse these. Um, but the music's actually pretty good. Like it's it's very it's almost like um, they're kind of taking some sort of regional bias but they're applying it to like the ridge racer sort of happy hardcore thing like there are a couple songs in this game that like they remind me of like rather damnation or something but like with different instruments and you know more (laughs) uh traditional i suppose instruments uh but yeah it's um it's a very quirky game it's definitely a very quirky game yeah absolutely like from from the ui straight to the sound as you're saying there's definitely um there's definitely like this feel to the, the entire experience that they, they wanted to keep things as simple as possible, but they also didn't want it to feel generic, and it de- definitely doesn't feel generic. Um, I think that's the, the cool thing about it. For me, it just obviously feels like from a gameplay perspective, and even the track design and such, so inspired by Sega Rally that that just kind of resonates in the entire way through the game. Um, it, like For me, that's really what dragged me in because the the tracks themselves just have that level of punishability that's there it's not so much yeah. the the challenge of overtaking the the ai cars or or the, anything like that it's more to do with the fact that if you hit a wall you will you will fuck up your run and then you may need to start again and like that type of racing game style outside of Sega Rally is really done right but i think this game actually does it really well and i think that's what gives it a unique style and i think playing that type of racing game and something that isn't a Sega racer or an Namco racer as well um, 
it's it's a good job by the developers to be honest and, and from what i understand um th there was at least more than a passing influence on the sega rally side of things and some developers were involved i think in terms of prism arts or, or so the story goes yeah so so this is an interesting thing i discovered as i was trying to do research on this game which by the way is impossible like there's there's like barely any info out there about like official info even reviews at the time i tried to find like maybe famitsu did a review of this game and i tried to see if i could find that on the internet somewhere and it's just impossible prism arts uh they were around uh they were started in the mid uh 90s or the the early 90s i think like 92 93 something like that um they have exactly three games to their name circuit beat and these two and then they never made another game uh the the people who all worked on this game um, it's been said, like you were saying, Bren, that like some of them were like ex-Sega or Namco devs. But what I actually found was that, uh, and and maybe it's possible that 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 might be true. But we have so little info on these games. Uh, one of the things I saw was that uh, Kenji Sasaki, who was uh, you know one of the lead designers on the original uh, Ridge Racer, and also then went to Sega and did Sega Rally. Uh, somebody asked him on twitter uh in a in a in a thread about this game like do you know if anyone uh was anyone you're familiar with uh worked on this game and he was like to my knowledge nobody <laughs> that i was what? that i worked with on <laughs> sega rally or ridge racer uh contributed to this piece of software so yeah um i think it's just one of those things that just keeps going around the internet because um, it yeah, would make sense, yeah. right? You know, like the Sega Rally influence is obviously there. Uh, yep. it, it definitely feels like a kind of a budget Sega Rally, um, but not necessarily in a bad way or anything. It just—it's clear that the influence is kind of worn on its sleeve. Um, and look, maybe there are some people, but uh, maybe uh, you know Kenji is, Sasaki is not aware of. But the only source that we have, the guy who was right there, Ridge Racer and Sega Rally, <laughs> says that. Uh, nobody working on the Rally Day games worked with him, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a bombshell for me, because, like, I think <laughs> the, the vast majority of people play this game because they, they are under the impression that there's some sort of underlying lineage there. Um, yeah. That is interesting. I wonder what the root cause of that potential myth, by the sounds of it, actually was like you're saying it's probably just something that snowballed but like it had to have had an origin point which is like ah oh, that's interesting I, I almost wonder if it was like a translation error or something from like an original japanese article on the game or something and then that got kind of passed around or it was just that the influence is that heavy people wanted to believe yeah i i found so i actually uh found this tweet it's from july 30th of last year actually so it's uh good timing because until until recently we didn't know this but he he said uh and he wrote this in english uh there was a very limited and small group of developers for sega rally and ridge racer at that time as far as i know no one was involved with the in the development of this software and this software is referring to rally day yeah so which I mean, is also true very conclusive <laughs> these teams these teams were small right so i mean chances yeah. are he, he would have been aware um and thank you so much, uh, Kenji Sasaki, for responding to that. And thank you to uh, Jorg Tittle for asking the question. Um, yeah, so that, <laughs> I think that's really funny because if anything, all it does is take away the one piece of information we thought we knew about this game. <laughs> so now we actually know less about it than than we previously did. But I tried to do, like I was saying, I... I, I for, I spent hours probably over the course of the last few weeks trying to find any dirt on Prism Arts. And it's really funny, but like if you go to, I think it's Giant Bomb, uh, because Giant Bomb happened to have a really robust, like not quite on the level of like a Moby Games or something like that, but like a really robust list of like developers and like links to their pages and stuff like that. So I found Prism Arts page on Giant Bomb and they link to this website that's Prism dash arts code japan and i clicked on it thinking like this i bet this is not the same company i bet this is a company that purchased a domain that's based in japan that has nothing to do with prism arts and 
off the bat, I'm kind of navigating it and I'm looking through it. I can even I can even send you a link right now if you're interested, Brent. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, and I'm I'm going through it, and it says at the top it says something about like a vehicle network. They're a vehicle network company, and they specialize in like CAN bus software testing and stuff stuff like that. So they do a lot of stuff with like the data and electronic systems in cars. And fair enough, but I'm thinking like this has nothing to do with with Prism Arts, right? <laughs> but the funny thing is, if you go through the credits of Rally Day Africa and Rally Day Europe, what you will find, and this is in the game when you complete the game, it's also online on like Moby Games and stuff. The same names that are in the credits for the games are also on this website. These people were <laughs> presidents of this company, CEOs of this company. Um, so this group of like, I think it's 11 developers who worked on the Rally Day series. Uh, several of them have have since been over the past 20, I guess almost 30 years, uh, worked for this company um, doing like, you know, vehicle testing. So I, I this just invites so many more questions to me. Like, I want to know, like, were they like an automotive supplier type company that just thought like, hey, this PlayStation, it's looking like a big deal, like... We, we like games like can we just like throw a game together and they happen to make these and then they they sold them they're like oh that's all right then they went back to like doing like real like mechanical engineering stuff or like like what happened here because it's just it's so it's so fascinating to me now like i need to know how this company ended up making games for like a couple of years and then just stopped <laughs> yeah i know because like on the website itself it says that since their founding in 1991 we have done the customized development and tool creation with sincerely so that we can serve our customers. So like, that doesn't sound like a company that pivoted towards this sort of stuff. It sounds as if it was like always still doing all of this type of stuff and then just decided like you're saying to to make a few racing games on the PlayStation. Yeah, uh, yeah. founded in 91 as you said and, and there's like a timeline and what's really funny is that the timeline on their website has absolutely zero mention of video games yeah. uh, circuit beat rally day they, they don't show up there however you can see like you know it says so and so was assigned to president sure enough that name appears in the credits so yeah this just there, there's a couple things here like one obviously again how did this happen uh two like kudos to to this company to prism uh prism or prism arts whatever they go by today for having this very close-knit small business that has survived for like almost three oh, yeah. decades yeah. like and done like all this different stuff like it's yeah i mean i mean hats off to them that's uh yeah that's not the story you see very often um not at all because the <laughs> that's I mean, the extent the of my research was <laughs> I mean, the, the current president that we just referenced that's on the credits, that was in 2018 that guy became president, so he really yeah. dedicated himself to, to Prism Arts. Um, yeah, that would be Hiroyuki Fujimoto. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, in the credits of the game, the names just appear, but they don't... There, there are no roles attached to those names in the game, so as a result, we don't know who did what uh, in the development of either of these games. <laughs> Um, you know, thanks to Moby, Moby Games, we kind of know, like, I think, uh, one of them worked on a Mega Man title and did some stuff with, like, uh, Ben Presto, who did, like, I think they did, like, uh, Kirby's Avalanche and stuff like that, Puyo Puyo, some weird puzzle games. So, yeah, they're not, they don't seem to be video game developers necessarily by trade, they just sort of dabbled in it. So, to kind of dabble in game development and make these, I mean, you you must be really good at like everything you touch at that point. Uh, yeah, especially really because, games. like, the fact that the the story around these games being influenced or directly developed by some ex developers of, of Sega Rally and, and, and Namco games, that that is that's a big kind of that that's a, a big reputation to to live up to and a lot of people play these games myself included and go you know what i can see that because that that's a very good <laughs> uh, fun Sega rally clone um so yeah th this is like very interesting purely because 
they obviously didn't see development as their day job, which maybe explains the budget price for the game as well in terms of just being like, eh, let's make some games, put them out there. Yeah. Some people may enjoy them, and uh, people did enjoy them because um, I, I really enjoyed my time playing this game. Uh, the they did a great job in terms of actually replicating that Sega Rally experience in a way I think a lot of um, developers by trade wish they could. So I think that it's yeah. it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and you know, although I understand like the Sega Rally influence in terms of the game design, the fact that this is a rally game and stuff, and and, and the track design to a certain extent, these games to me, um, they play. In some ways, they play the same that you're racing the track, kind of as you were alluding to earlier. You're not really racing competitors, but like the handling, the handling to me is very different. And although Africa and Europe share a lot of stuff, you know, they're only two years apart. Uh, all of Rally Day Africa is actually unlockable in Rally Day Europe. At least the tracks are if you beat Rally Day Europe. Um, but the handling is uh, in Rally Day Africa. It, it's not. It's not bad, it just like takes some getting used to, it doesn't really play like most racing games I've experienced or from this time, and I think what the issue I have with Rally Day Africa is I kept kind of getting stuck in slides that I didn't want to, like kind of stuck in drifts that were hard to get out of. And with Rally Day Europe, I think they improved that a little bit, they made the cars a little bit more responsive um, and a little bit easier to kind of get in and out of those drifts. Um, you know these these games don't have like the the physics. You know Sega Rally's handling model was so sophisticated and intuitive. And today, even though I'm sure it's not technically the most sophisticated out there by a long shot, it still feels like like you know what the car's gonna do. Um, you know, just it's it's just so intuitive and it just feels so right. And the body roll and the the suspension, um, you know, simulation stuff like that. Even though it's crude, it just feels good. And this game doesn't quite have that but uh it's still fun um the tracks i think kind of maybe go a little bit if i had one gripe with the track design they're all very striking and cool to look at and they're very placed in very different environments but they all kind of get into that um lakeside problem a little bit too much where they're just like very narrow corridors where the grass is like you know on the the, the track limits are like you could barely fit two cars um, alongside each other on a lot of these tracks, on a lot of these portions. And if you if you nudge like the grass or you nudge a wall, it's not gonna like stop you dead like it does in Sega Rally. But like it's you're you're never going to, especially Rally Day Europe, which is impossible. You're never gonna beat the game by by having a run yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. No, n not at all. Um, I totally agree on on that front. I think that's why, in terms of actually enjoying uh, Europe, I actually enjoyed driving the key cars more than the actual kind of bona fide rally machines because mm. it did feel as if you were kind of wrestling with um, wrestling with the machines on the very tight tracks, as opposed to just enjoying the kind of flow of rally driving. Mm. And Sega uh, Rally, as you're alluding to, Adam, like that's a game that understands the kind of fine balance between challenge and flow that rallying should have whereas in this game it does kind of verge on that trying to put a square peg in a round hole type problem at times when you're trying to take some of these cars through some of the, the kind of the, the turns that are there I definitely felt as if the game thrived at lower speeds and in smaller cars and yeah. I mean that might sound like a skill issue to, to <laughs> anybody who's maybe not played these games but um I, as somebody who has like no life to the, the art of Sega Rally, um, I, I'm no I'm no stranger to the idea that you shouldn't be hitting yeah. the sides of, of these tracks, but it does feel as if the, the more kind of prominent rally machines in the game start to make it feel more arduous and frustrating as opposed to enjoyable. Yeah, they're really fast. And, and the thing is, like, you're a good Sega Rally player, so if you're saying the game is a little bit unfair, like, unfairly too hard, that's something that everybody <laughs> should uh, should pay attention and listen to. Because, like, Rally Day Africa is beatable, and you can get through it uh, in a reasonable amount of time. There's obviously not that much content there, but I'd say it's, it's a fair level of difficulty, whereas Rally Day Europe starts, and at first it seems like it's going to go a lot a lot of you know kind of the same way that africa does but that difficulty yeah. spike is harsh and i think once you get like the first championship's not too bad but once you get to like the second one it's like 
tough and then like the last class is I don't Oof. I don't even know how you get through that. I don't know how you can be that good. I mean the one comment I keep seeing by people who are aware of these games is that like you can unlock Rally Day Africa and Rally Day Europe if you beat the game, but no one has like confirmed it. <laughs> like you, you can access it with cheats, of course, but like every time I see yeah. somebody talk about it, they're just like, they say you can do this, but I don't know if I'll ever actually be able to, to see it for myself. And at that point, I'd just say, you know, thankfully we have like Game Shark codes and stuff. So yeah, if, if you're playing both, like you can, you can just go back and forth between them on an emulator or something. It's easy enough. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. It would, it's a great unlockable for somebody willing to go through it. And to be fair, given it's basically a full new game's worth of content, I guess you want to make the players try and earn it. So yeah. anybody that unlocked that would have been the the coolest coolest kid in the playground for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's a it's a very difficult game. Um, I near enough found it impossible to play on automatic towards the higher classes I did have to kind of play on manual and uh, for my sins when it comes to these type of games um, I, I do always go auto because I, I just yeah. prefer to play it that kind of more mindless way not not mindless but I prefer to put the kind of the effort into trying to, to master the kind of the handling as opposed to the the gear shifting side of things but like any good arcade game there always comes that time where you need to move to manual to really get the most out of it I feel as if in rally, the, the rally day games especially Europe it's more of a mandated, like, you you won't be able to maximise these cars unless you learn to drive them manual, which, right. um, you, you know, it's not necessarily a bad trait of the games, especially for people willing to go on and talk about them for an hour on a podcast, but, like, <laughs> I can imagine if you're trying to just enjoy this game in a kind of casual capacity, I personally, and I don't know how far you actually got yourself, Adam, um, or if you were playing manual from the start or not, but... No. Um, no, well, I, I got to, I think it was like the F2 category in auto, and then I was like, wow, I, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> do this. Um, yeah, yeah. And I had to, to basically go, go to manual, learn, learn that through the key cards for a bit, and then just kind of try and translate that over, because I think the thing about the, the track design is it. Kind of inspired, like I think Africa's more inspired by Sega Rally directly um, yeah. than Europe because Europe goes super heavy on the 90 degree turns mm -hmm. and the very tight hairpin corners. And uh, I'm not just talking about like one 90 degree turn here, there are so many S bends that are like so fucking square to navigate, and it becomes really hard to, to um, put your Howard, is that Citroen Xara, whatever they call it, like Howard, I think it is that one's called. Um, trying yeah. to fit those kind of equivalent modern rally cars through those turns becomes an exercise in pain. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to refresh my memory, so I'm like firing up some YouTube footage now and I'm seeing, I think Too Loose is the track that sticks in my mind from Rally Day Europe uh, because it's, yeah, yeah, it's just, it starts out with like a bunch of like 90 degree corners and it's a very cool track. Like it, it passes by the Coliseum or I guess not the Coliseum. This is in Rome. I don't know what that structure is. I have no idea. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they just decide to move it uh, to France, but yeah. Um, it's it's like a city track and that kind of goes into the goes into the countryside and the mountains and i really like you know it, it's kind of classic like rally game f uh fair i guess and like it's mostly tarmac and the 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 surface changes in this game don't really necessarily change the handling in the same way they do in like sega rally um it's not quite as yeah. sophisticated in that way but I found the tracks, you know, they're hard, especially when you get towards the end. And I think it's Rally Day Africa that ends with the one, it's a Kilimanjaro where it's like, it has like the, the snow, it's like a snowy mountain and there's just a cliff on one side. So you can just fall off the track. Um, <laughs> they're very tough, but they're fun. Like that's the thing. They're, they're all, they're all fun. And I think you just get to this point. At least I got to this point. Cause I, I didn't try and like, you know, learn how to drive a manual or anything like that. Because uh, it really doesn't do anything for me in these old games. But, yeah, um, yeah. I think you get to a point where you have to ask yourself, you know, is this just becoming more frustrating than fun? And for a while, even if you're losing, it's kind of fun to drive. But then eventually I just gave up because I'm like, I, I don't know, I'll just use a code or something. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I got to the final championship on the A class before I just um, topped out. Basically, um, I just could not get over the line. Um, well, in fact, it might be it's the second to the last one, so maybe S or A. I can't remember how it's structured in Rally de Europe, but um, yeah. The funny thing, just because you mentioned the, the Kilimanjaro thing, I love the fact that one of the pace notes literally has like a, a skull and bones. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> to let you know <laughs> about the danger. It's just like you get all the usual kind of like turn indicators and then there's just like crossbones and I think the, the announcer says something like, Wadda! <laughs> something okay, yeah. like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not many rally games that would just explicitly reference you will die if you, if you don't actually tackle this obstacle. Right. And the, the thing is the cars too, so like you can unlock all of the cars just by doing the championship either. And they don't, you know, no. they don't explain any of this to you. Now, fortunately, while this game is a Japanese import, uh, almost none of it is in Japanese. It's all pretty much in English, but that's because there's really yeah. not that much to explain. Um, so it kind of gets away with that. But they don't tell you, like, I'm on YouTube right now and... Uh, somebody's racing against the AutoZam AZ-1 clone that's in the game that I guess is called the uh, Degger MZ-1SS. Um, and it says that to unlock this car, you have to play the memory battle mode, put them as an opponent on the two-loose track, and beat them. So, like, not only do you have to explore the memory battle mode, know what that's about, which I never really was able to figure out, but you also have to make sure you beat them on the right track. Because if you beat them on the wrong track, then I guess you won't get the car. Like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things that would absolutely drive you insane if a new game tried to do this. But like an old game, you're just like, eh, being weird and nonsensical is is part of the charm here. Well, the, the, that very type of unlockable is uh, very familiar in our good friend Runabout. As well, if you recall, there are yeah. a lot of strange ways of unlocking cars in that game. So it's definitely like a budget Japanese era developer type like quirk in these games by the looks of it. Um, it'd actually be a good point, I guess, to talk about the memory battle side of things because uh, did you work out exactly what it was, Adam? Or like, did you mess about with it that much? No, because I mean, I think, and that's kind of my fault because I think I just assumed it required some sort of save on someone else's memory card or something. Yeah. I had to race them. Right. I don't know. What did you figure it out? <laughs> I actually messed about with this a lot more than I probably should have. So, okay, interesting. So, basically, memory battle mode, I initially thought it was just going to be like a time trial mode based yeah. on uh, you set a time and then you can race it, or somebody can bring their memory card over and you can burst their yeah, time. Exactly. That right. sort of thing. Yeah. So, it's actually a pretty interesting concept where basically you set a lap time and then the game holds that kind of lap you've set like a time trial. Hmm. But it instantiates an opponent on the track that acts like a regular AI. So mm. once you've loaded one lap in, you then can choose another car and race that car. But it isn't actually a ghost, it's an actual AI vehicle. So you can like crash into it, you can like get caught behind it, that mm. sort of thing. Okay. And the car that you've set the time in previously will still try and take the track the exact way you set the lap but obviously adjust to the fact that it's actually in a real race and the coolest part about this is that you can actually load four at the same time so you can basically create like a four-way race between your own lap times and they will actually try and overtake each other and stuff wow this is like yeah. um did they is this like something that Sophie does in Gran Turismo 7? Yeah, that's what like, I was going to like, like, seriously, that's the exact thing that popped into my mind when I was messing about with it. I'm like, fucking Rally D had the, yeah. <laughs> Rally D Europe had uh, Sophie this whole Jesus. time. But like, I mean, th the, this company the, was like at the forefront yeah. of AI too, apparently. <laughs> it did it all. It's very primitive, but like, it's still something cool. And the best part about it is like, they aren't picky about like the, the parameters of what you do. So you choose a track, but you could have like four cars across four different classes and then like you can like create a weird like combined amount of racers like that have your characteristics from moving through the track but all driving different cars at the same time. Yeah. And there was even times where a car in a lower class would somehow 
finish ahead of one of the faster classes because of stuff that I had done on the track to basically like kind of mess up their flow for going round the tracks. So yeah, it's, it's pretty what, cool, man. Like it's worth just having a look at. What I'm especially interested in is like by what parameters do they achieve? Like it's doing your lap, but not perfectly. Yeah. And it's doing your lap, but also with the ability to like deal with other cars on track. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I'm gonna go back and give it a try because uh, yeah. yeah, I just kind of counted out. Like I'm not gonna lie. I'll hold like, my hands up. Yeah. I did the exact same. The only reason <laughs> I looked at it was because when I posted a, a Rally Day Europe thing on the Twitter account, somebody said in the comments like, "Oh, I spent so much time on Memory Battle in this game," and I'm like, "Either this guy has a lot of friends who all take their memory cards around to load yeah. their time trial times." Or this is something a bit more than than what I thought it was, and and rightfully enough, it's like um, it's like Wish.com Sophie. <laughs> it's just yeah. like there there's there's obviously something going on that allows them to like take these time trial times and like make like they can still just race, which makes it a lot more interesting than just versing time trials. So it's worth having a look at for that reason alone. Um, I imagine as well it could be pretty cool because you could theoretically load multiple different racers and get those cars to race each other alongside yourself that sort of thing yeah um yeah it, it's it's something a bit more cool than i thought was going to be there and that that was the thing that really kind of took me by surprise because like we've talked about the fact this is a budget racer it's a fairly straightforward kind of rally experience in that way um, but this is definitely a mode that I don't, I can't recall, maybe maybe you'll know Adam, but I don't know many games that would have a similar system to this where the loaded times, for lack of a better term, are actually like physically interactable objects on the racetrack that you can like kind of yeah. race like a regular AI. It's interesting. I, I don't, I'm not aware of that either. I know that like, um... Sega Touring Car Championship, if you had, like, the backup cart on the Saturn, had, like, an AI driver you could train, which was basically, was like, cool. you drove and the game kind of monitored you, but, like, I, I mean, who, who knows what, like, clandestine box of, like, mystery is, like, governing that, that driver's, uh, behavior and they're not like copying your lap times exactly right they're they're kind of copying what no. they think your behavior is it's more of like a drive avatar thing i guess so yeah that's that's cool um and it's <laughs> it's the kind of thing that like again you you got like so much value like you're saying from a budget game i mean this thing this game was so cheap and i almost wonder like i don't know how the um sort of philosophy on this like the the consumer shopping philosophy was in japan at this time i, I have absolutely no idea but like i would have counted a game like this out you know because a lot of those like yeah. midas midas published games or whatever they were not good they were not good <laughs> no. there there might be one or two and some of the churro cues were good but like most of them you know most of the games with yeah. those banners here we had valcom and jester and those were always awful um so yeah, I, <laughs> I I almost wonder if if these games were a little bit more successful, uh, maybe Prism Arts would have uh, made that made a full switch uh, to a different industry. Uh, it's you know yeah, it's something that perhaps. we'll never know. <laughs> no, we will never know. But it looks like they've been successful in their other uh, non-racing game endeavors. So. Uh, you know what? Maybe this was the foundations of how they became that simulation company. They, they they made memory battle mode, and they were actually like, "Oh, we're really good at this sort of thing." That's uh, like let's build out actual simulation stuff for uh, buses or whatever <laughs> vehicles it was. It's funny because you hear you hear a lot about how um, a lot of your favorite games, or not just games, but just frankly, just products in general, even cars, just come from like kind of weird little skunkworks operations that are happening sort of in the cover of darkness um, by a couple employees. And like, I, I remember that's a story I think behind Wipeout HD is that like somebody at Studio Liverpool was like, let's, let's figure out how to get like, you know, the Wipeout games on the PSP stuff. Like, let's get that running on the PS3 to see if we could like do 1080p and take advantage of of the system and then they were playing it and they were like well this has to be our next game this is great um <laughs> yeah. so i yeah. yeah i mean maybe maybe this has a similar origin story of just like these guys all clearly uh they knew 
They knew about the automotive industry. They were probably, you know, fans at some level. I mean, that much is obviously clear from the game. And uh, they liked video games, so they they just decided to throw something at the wall. And in my head, anyway, that's going to be how I how I reflect on these games now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like the the kind of deficiencies and like the handling model and that sort of thing as well also imply it's not it's not been like a fully dedicated game development in a traditional sense in the way that this is something they've wanted to make like their their whole chindig as a company since clearly they were still working things out depending on what was successful and what wasn't so I think it's it's an interesting game to me purely because I had zero expectation going in like I didn't have any preconceptions about this game it doesn't have a million hits for calling it a cult classic or an underrated game. I mean, we were talking just before we went on air, Adam, about the fact that your article on Jalopnik is one of the first things that appear for this game, and that shows the level of coverage, because aside from you covering it, there isn't much else out there. Um, and yet, it probably does have enough about it to maybe warrant a bit more attention and, and kind of understanding from people about what the game is all about. And the, the kind of the memory battle thing just encapsulated that for me in terms of like there's always something really hype about finding a little part of a game that you didn't know was in there or you didn't quite understand how it operated and then it actually turns out to be something really cool. Yeah, and absolutely. I would have never guessed that this game had something like that. So it's it's one of these things where I'm really glad that I found out about the game. It's not as if it's a, a ten out of ten or a bona fide classic, but it's definitely it's definitely one of those unique titles that you should, and today especially with how easy it is to access these types of games in a perfectly legal manner, of course, when you already <laughs> own the game. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's a it's a cool little racing ditty. <laughs> so I would describe it. Yeah, you actually just reminded me to look up prices of these games online, and if I recall, Europe is very expensive. Uh, really? Africa might be less expensive. Let me see. Yeah, I'm seeing copies of Rally Day Europe. Um, this one, I think, might even still be like shrink wrapped, and it's two hundred and seventy dollars. I'm seeing other Jeez. ones for one thirty, one sixty. Uh, yeah, the the secret is out about these games, apparently. <laughs> I, I have no idea how, because if you type in even something as generic as a Rally Day Europe review on Google, you get like one hit, <laughs> and yeah. it's just like somebody in WordPress like reviewing it. It's not like I said, it's not as if it's had a mass amount of coverage, even from the the kind of the deeper cut like YouTube channels and stuff. It's definitely a <laughs> definitely a game that could do with a little bit more attention so hopefully anybody listening does give it a go because it, it, it might surprise you you might find the handling insufferable who knows but the, the cool thing is it's a game that a lot of people don't know exists yeah so as far as rally day africa it is all over the place the top uh trending or however ebay ranks these things is a 21 dollars or best offer from japan which is perfectly reasonable but then we also have 85 dollars 88 dollars uh 12 dollars but just for the case uh 96 dollars <laughs> uh 150 dollars and then 35 so i don't know yeah i don't know why this game's all over the mark but um I, I, for one, feel that the, and I'm, I'm sure this is not a hot take or anything, but the <laughs> the current stupid speculative uh, classic games market or whatever is absolutely atrocious. So, um, yeah, absolutely no shame in playing these games the way that, you know, we all have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, tell people want to stop extorting cash from old irrelevant now video games uh, that that is the best option you have for, for playing a title like this um, because for as much as I did enjoy uh, playing it I'm not sure I would pay like for example on eBay UK there's a copy here for £50 which is maybe just that bit over what I would consider paying that 20, 20 to 30 seems decent enough I mean, I think I think these games are very, very good. I would honestly, in terms of quality, uh, I would put them right up there alongside, um, you know, at least the first two Ridge Racer games. And I think these are the kinds of games that, like, if 
I had grown up with them, they would be for sure right up there with Ridge Racer and Sega Rally and Daytona because they're absolutely wow. the same thing. But like, yeah. it's just a consequence of not having that nostalgia, right? Because I, it, it's weird because even though these games only came out in Japan, you know, you're on uh, YouTube and you see so many, there are actually like a startling number of comments that are like, this game was my childhood. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it's written by people in English who seem to have like, you know, they, they were from Europe or something like that. Uh, so I, I wonder how those people got this game. Um, you know, I know imports back in the day weren't necessarily impossible and there were some games that would come out and if you the mod chip on your playstation uh or what have you you know you could play them that way and i think europe was a good hub for that because kind <laughs> yeah. of at the crossroads of everything right but um but yeah so if you have the nostalgia for this game i completely get it I, I completely get it i don't think that this that they lose anything that they give up anything to a good number of like sega and namco racers you know is is this you know, at the level of Sega Rally, no, but like it's at the level I think of like uh, pretty much every other racing game on the Saturn. Uh, it's it's really really good, and like the performance is really good, and the graphics are fantastic. Like this game, yeah. these games drive like they they play so smoothly. Everything's you know seems to be thirty frames per second. There's never a hiccup. They sound great. The soundtracks are nuts, um, especially in Rally Day Africa, as we said. So overall, uh, yeah, just just two absolutely fine games. You know, I, I'd put them up there with with pretty much anything else from this era. I'm actually just really frustrated that, um, like you were mentioning, Adam, Europe was all about the, that modded PS1 life for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Hence my affiliation with Pepsi Man so much and, and loving that. <laughs> um, used to go to uh, my dad's friend's house and he just hand me like a big wad of CDRs and just be like, enjoy. Mm. And I'm, almost, I'm just really frustrated that Rally Day Europe was never one of these games because yeah. the, the guy was just getting... The games we used to get, just heading down like every Wednesday for the, the latest <laughs> bundle of games, like you're, you're talking some real deep cuts. Um, I'm really frustrated this one made it through the cracks, but then again, uh, the release years of the games probably mean it was more towards the kind of well, 2000 for Rally Day Europe I believe and 98 yeah. for Africa was it you said yep. Adam yeah yep. yeah so like I'll forgive him for Europe but mm, i disappointed in you Peter <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening uh, if, if Peter could have done it differently um, <laughs> exactly. you got Pepsi man though so yeah, yeah, yeah exactly like that's the which is the, clearly the, the biggest inspirational media force in your life so well that was it like i got the disc because obviously like back then the way that a lot of these guys that did this stuff work was basically you could get the disc for a cheaper price than the disc plus uh kind of um what is it you call the the ps1 cases again it's got a name isn't it like oh diamond. yeah ju- the jewel cases jewel, jewel case yeah, yeah diamond case jesus jewel case <laughs> um like that that costs more money like Peter's not just handing those out for a few pounds, so um, oh, it was like I, I I loved Pepsi Man so much, and then like for my birthday he got me like the the fake dual case version, and it was just like <laughs> that's how much Pepsi Man meant. And you know what? Maybe maybe Rally Rally the Africa or Rally the Europe might have been up there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that pretty much covers everything. I, and as usual, I was worried that we weren't going to have more than twenty <laughs> minutes of content uh, to to talk about this game, but. We made it to the hour. Um, I just think it's just it's just such a curiosity, you know. It's really sh- this is one of those games that like really upsets me that like it's impossible to talk to anyone <laughs> who had any hand <laughs> in making it, you know. Yeah. Like uh, more than anything else we've talked about, I don't know if there's any other game that's going to cross um, the time extend desk. Maybe if we had an episode about A1 Games Racing. Uh, perhaps that would do it. The uh, that that's a game that just has the just the racing game on the oh, PlayStation. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. iconic. That's a budget <laughs> title that is horrible. That was uh, what the simple fifteen hundred or whatever. I can't remember what I think it was called. Like simple one thousand or simple fifteen hundred. The race in Japan, and uh, <laughs> that game is that game is every bit what you expect a budget PlayStation racing game to be. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just I'm having a look at the kind of a let's play footage of this. It's so like, bad. Mate, it's so funny though. Like you can clearly see from like the 
there's I think it's like tutorial or something. It's a tutorial. It's telling you the controls and stuff, but there's like elements telling you like it basically says speed up and down. Then it's a photo of like a car accelerating, then it braking. But like it's like structured in that kind of Gran Turismo like way, like the the yellow fonts and the and the white text. Uh, yeah, it's got the same font <laughs> as Gran Turismo. Yeah. I wrote about so this was another one I wrote about, and I really lobbied. This was like a end of the day last minute shit post at Jalopnik and I really lobbied my editor to let me just make the headline let's talk about racing <laughs> uh, which I think became the Google SEO headline but the, the actual headline yeah. ended up they they uh, made it let's talk about AIDS text racing uh, I'm uh, looking at the way these cars move and it's making me feel sick holy shit that looks awful yeah um, <laughs> it's definitely become a meme in the time extend circles uh, I love the advice that it gives you for like <laughs> yeah. driving too because the speed up and down page it says this is a tutorial and they're trying to teach you how to play a game and they say press and hold uh, cross button to accelerate a manual transmission is needed to change the gear up when the tachometer right side of the screen <laughs> indicates rpm of around 700 and i like that because like is that true of all cars i mean i guess it is for this game right like this game has like three cars so you know reverse when you can't when you crash head on and can't move at all you need you need back up your vehicle <laughs> it's true it's not incorrect yeah these, these games are or this game. Yeah. Some of these are actually pretty good. Uh, I think there's one called like uh, Shooter Space Shot or something like that. That uh, our good pal Andrew Elmore tells me is actually a pretty good game. So yeah, go go try some of the some of the uh, simple games, but not maybe not this one. We should have an episode all about budget racing games. Yeah, just play a bunch cool. of them and and yeah, like restrict ourselves. Ones, good ones. Yeah, maybe we'd have to like restrict ourselves to only spending like ten minutes on each or something, so we could get through a bunch of them. Like a but, speed yeah. dating type yeah. rounds, yeah. Or budget racing games. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool idea. Uh, One thing I was actually going to say about um, Rally Day Europe and Africa and that Prism Arts um, website, mm. I wonder if you emailed them about the game, if they would like confirm that they made it. I mean, they must have based on the guy on the the website, but. I'm very curious if like they just seen in their inbox when they come in from a weekend and they, they just see an email and it's like Rally Day Europe and all the, the memories flood back of the, the time that they completed the racing genre and <laughs> wonder if you would actually get a response. Yeah, I mean they do have they do have email addresses uh at their website. So I think I would I would be just concerned that it wouldn't get across, but there's they could they could run it through Google Translate if they really care. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I guess it'd just be like, <laughs> I would just like to know how this happened. Thank you so much. I've been playing your game. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, that'll that be, I'm going to do that right after this. And then hopefully in the future time extend episode, we can return to this with some good news for everybody. And, and we can finally share some form of information <laughs> about this damn game and its invisible footprint online. Yeah. And and their website really is great. Like, you should all, if you're curious about this, you should go there because, like, it is so... And I'm not saying this to, to make fun of them or anything. It's so dry. It's so, like, purely, like, industry trade. They This company sells metal boxes that for for testing vehicle systems and that is that has about as much creativity as you can imagine <laughs> it has so like yeah. I, it, it's funny because like to me it just indicated like oh this th this cannot possibly be the same prism that that made this game uh but sure enough it seems like it is so yeah <sighs> anyway i think i think that just about covers it um <laughs> <laughs> I think for the next episode, we were talking a while ago. We were talking about do doing a, a dirt uh, retrospective, which um, yeah, that'd be a cool one to do next. Time. I think something yeah. a bit um, something a bit more well known, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Another bit. rally game, though. Another rally it's game. Um, <laughs> it's a year of rally. I remember our first uh, like our first or our second episode. We just talked about rally games because it was like Favorite there were a lot rally of rally games, games yeah. coming out that year, like 2017 or whenever it was. Yeah, how scary is that? It's been a while, yeah. <laughs> it um, has indeed. 
But yes, as uh, as always, uh, you can find us at time underscore extend on Twitter. And we'd also like to point out that if you want to join our Discord, we recently made it a little bit easier. Um, you could uh, we're falling behind on the messages a little bit, so you can uh, just <laughs> click on the link uh, that we have there at our uh, Twitter bio, and that should take you to the right place, and you could just hop on there. So. Um, We'd, uh, we'd love to have you. We have some fun there. Uh, talk about games like Rally Day Europe and Rally Day Africa and um, all sorts of other things that I'm only learning about every day. So it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You may be the person that brings up a game <laughs> that we didn't know about yeah. that then becomes an episode, <laughs> as has become the case here. So uh, yeah, encourage you to join the Discord. It's great fun. Great bunch of guys and gals in there. Um... Yeah, the message system for Discord worked fine until like some of the memes and shit blew up on the Twitter, and then it's just like we we just constantly forget to, to look at those message requests. So I think making the invite a bit easier to find should help with that. It was a combination of a couple things. To be honest with everybody, like we initially instituted that some years back because we were being kind of inundated with trolls. I mean, like inundated is a strong word. There would never be more than like two of them at any given time, but it was just annoying enough to make our lives hell. So um, <laughs> we decided we decided to scale that back, but now we kind of now like our Discord actually has things in place to stop people um, or to make it very easy to get rid of them. Uh, so yeah, it's um, we're in the better place now. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's probably. I mean, this podcast is obviously how everything started, but I think I think the Discord has been our proudest achievement. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt, I, I totally agree with that. And then, uh, one of the things as well, I'm going to do the very annoying podcaster thing here and also ask that if you have been listening to us for quite some time, um, we would really appreciate any sort of reviews that you can also put like on yeah. Spotify and stuff. I did not know there was a review system on Spotify I, the other day until <laughs> I, I seen this and I was like, oh wow, right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you to everybody who has reviewed. I think it's like a 4.9 we've got just now. Like, holy shit. Like, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I don't, has Apple Podcasts got it as well? Adam? Well, Apple Podcasts actually. definitely has because I I've yeah. remember for so long listening to podcasts that were like, give us a five star on iTunes. But I never knew that Spotify did that either. I actually, I, I think I learn this and forget about it every couple of months because I don't use Spotify to listen to ours or any podcasts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but apparently we have a 4.9. It from what mm -hmm. I can see, it does not tell me how many reviews it's based on. I might have to go into like the the Spotify portal, um, and we won't be like uh, uh, there are some podcasts that will sell for nothing less than a five. Frankly, with yeah, how infrequently, <laughs> yeah, with, with with how infrequently we post, the 4.9 is completely fine with me no exactly that's why i'm saying like leave a review i i really don't <laughs> care what the score is i don't really get why people do care about that i guess because if people are listening to a pod like a podcast in the first place it at least implies there's some sort of enjoyment there so like adam says with a infrequent release schedule um Mostly down to myself recently. It's been insanely busy. I apologize to you in person. You, you also battled like at least like four diseases, mysterious oh, diseases, <laughs> going all the way back to like uh, right before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's been like crazy. There's been COVID, there's been the norovirus, there's been <laughs> food poisoning, shout out KFC. Uh, <laughs> there's been a flu. Um, still Peloton in between all of that though, <laughs> so yeah, you... it's, it's been pretty fucking crazy, but uh, yeah. yeah, finally got around to recording this and uh, yeah, we say it every time, but we will try and be more frequent and yeah, apologies for everybody who is absolutely dying to hear about Rally Day Europe and Africa, but we got there. Yeah, again, uh, you know what you're getting at this point. We've been doing this for five, six years. So, um, <laughs> you know, there are times where, yeah. you know, I feel like I think we started last year and the podcasts were actually pretty frequent. We had one going up every two weeks or so, and which was like always the, the goal for the schedule. And then, um, yeah, and then that, that's not how we started 2022, but or 2023, I mean, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is what it is. So that means like the the early to middle part is going to be banging though. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's that's how we'll, we'll hit our groove. Then follow me a little bit again. Yeah, yeah. Check <laughs> check back in next episode when we apologize for you know we we said we get to you sooner, but it's uh, May. 
<laughs> yep, yep, that's it. Uh, but the good thing is we can still go with these little gaps and still talk about little games like this, like you're saying, Adam, for like an hour. So um, hopefully that that meets the appetite everybody has for discussions on these games. Um, if we could discuss them for three and four hours, we would. But I think to complete these games, if you were a a demigod of racing games and could actually complete them, there's about two hours of content here. So I think that's a good ratio of discussion to, to content. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> uh, well, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through all of the the infrequent releases and all of that. Um, uh, thanks for following us. Thanks for everything. And uh, yeah, you'll hear from us again sometime soon <laughs> thanks for listening everybody Will likely overtake.